The simple idea behind Rich Panel is we believe the best customer service is no service. We all love and buy from brands where everything just works and I never have to contact customer service. Take Uber Eats, take Amazon, for example. I'm able to track my order, uh, return an order, do an exchange. If the food comes spilled in Uber Eats, I'm able to like, you know, get a refund or a replacement, uh, you know, right inside the app. So customer service is part of the product. It's productized. Any, you only contact customer service when something breaks or it the app doesn't do what you expect it to do. Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SyncSpider. Hello and welcome to another Ecom Ops podcast. My name is Norbert and today I'm talking to Amit. Hey Amit, great to meet you. Great to meet you as well, Norbert. Yeah, great to have you here. Uh, Amit is, um, is, is having a SaaS application called Rich Panel and it's a customer support platform used by over 1,500 uh, fast-growing DTC brands and uh, well, they have brands to automate up to 80% of their uh, repetitive tasks so agents can focus on high-value interactions. Um, I think in December last year, you raised a seed round with Sequoia. That is correct, Robert. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. So enough money is here to further grow? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 well, not enough, but enough for the time being. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably be hitting the ground again in the next six months to raise our next round. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Well, I mean, how did you get into e-commerce and why e-commerce? Uh, e-commerce is not something that I actively got into. E-commerce is something that happened to me. Uh, after I completed my engineering, my first job was in an e-commerce agency uh, where, where we were building tech and, uh, you know, doing other services uh, for, for some of these very large e-commerce brands. So we had clients like Wayfair, Bed Bath & Beyond, Staples. So got, a, got to learn a lot in that other company. And, uh, uh, you know, that agency went from like 50 employees to like 1,000 employees in four years. So explosive growth, uh, got to learn a lot. Uh, and, and uh, got to work with some amazing people. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was very natural that all the all the startup ideas that I would get were in the field of e-commerce. Okay, got it, got it. And what was the impetus behind creating Rich Panel? Uh, you, you know, honestly, you know, more, unlike other founders, it wasn't like, you know, we had an idea, then we kind of jumped into it. For us, the motivation behind starting the company was uh, we wanted to build something with great people. Uh, that was objective number one. And objective number two was we wanted to be a product company so that there is no, uh, you know, ceiling to our growth. Uh, what uh, w the product that we'll build happened later after like a lot of uh, customer interviews, we decided to uh, kind of get and build Rich Panel. And uh, uh, the, the, uh, the simple idea behind Rich Panel is we believe the best customer service is no service. We all love and buy from brands where everything just works and I never have to contact customer service. Take Uber Eats, take Amazon, for example. 
I'm able to track my order, uh, return an order, do an exchange. If the food comes spilled in Uber Eats, I'm able to like you know get a refund or a replacement, uh, you know, right inside the app. So customer service is part of the product. It's productized. Uh, any you only contact customer service when something breaks or it the app doesn't do what you expect it to do, right? But if you can make all of these edge cases part of the product, it's a wow moment for the customer. And mm-hmm. that could be that could be your brand's superpower. So if customer service is done right, and you create like a frictionless experience uh, for the consumer, then those consumers will keep coming back to buy from your e-commerce store. It's a really a nice approach. Uh, so this is something that sets Rich Pedal apart from the competition, right? Uh, absolutely, we are we are the uh, only company of its kind that is that is you know, trying to productize customer service that is productized customer service as see there are, there are different solutions, uh, to the same problem. Right. Uh, so, so there are like multiple help desks, there are multiple chatbots that are trying to like kind of solve this. Uh, we'd like to believe that we have the most elegant way of doing it. Uh, and, and it's the same application or the same approach, which is used by the tech giants, like, like Uber eats, like Amazon to productize their own customer service. Okay, so um, actually, it, what what I hear out of all that is um, there is a lot of work for me to set up all this kind of things up front to lower the work afterwards. Um, or do I understand that wrong? Uh, y- yes, you, your understanding is correct, uh, Norbert. So, so you have you have a couple of options. He has a small e-commerce store, and by small, I mean even if you're like hundred million dollars in revenues, you cannot invest in a technology team, which will be completely focused on productizing or building like a custom uh, help center for you, right? So you're first going to start off with like, you know, off the shelf help desk systems, right? But once once you grow to a certain scale, uh, you're going to realize that, hey, I can't keep hiring hundreds of support agents to, you know, keep up with this. Uh, plus the experience is not consistent. Support agents are churning at 30% year on year. So it's, it's a difficult function to manage and hire. And the worst part is that you're not doing your customers any favors by routing them to support agents, mm-hmm. right? Customers don't want to speak with people, right? People want immediate resolutions and they want to be able to do it themselves quickly without having to like wait for 15, 20 minutes uh, to get a resolution. Yeah. So uh, what the Amazons and Ubers of the world, these tech giants have done is they have, they have tech resources, engineers, which have built a custom health center. So when you go on Amazon's My Account section, you can see all your orders, your subscriptions, your addresses, and you're able to like take actions on it. Like uh, it's part of the product. You don't have to like chat with someone. You don't have to call someone uh, to do that. So what Richman is doing is it's giving you Amazon or Uber-like capabilities or, or capabilities of these very large tech companies. And if I can be bold enough to say it's giving you better capabilities uh, than these companies, and it's giving you those capabilities in 15 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. No engineering effort involved. That's really, really stunning. Um, on your website, it says you are um, you offer a faultless customer service for your e-commerce store. Um, what, what type of services do you provide? We, we just provide the pro- product, the software. Yeah. We don't have like customer support agents, if mm-hmm. that's what you're asking. So our Okay, so you just the have the stack? And your agents help this uh, e-commerce store owners to, to, to build up everything? Do you self-provide 
um, physical support um, via remote or or uh, do you also um, insist on uh, let the customers do everything themselves? Yeah, so basically what we do is it's it's both. Uh, if you're uh, you know so so one part of the software is uh, the self service portal where the end customer, you know, the e-commerce merchants, end customer is able to resolve, you know, 60, 70% of the queries by themselves. And the remaining 30% where customers do really need that one-on-one -on -one attention, we do have an inbox, a help desk, uh, which the agents can use to really personalize the conversations. And this way agents can also focus on customers really in need and agents can do what they were hired for, which is assisting more Conversions. They can assist more visitors in the buying journey and, and mm -hmm. get more revenues. Awesome. Awesome. Um, what are the benefits of all those automations that you, that you provide those uh, customers? Benefit number one is, you know, you, you, your operations becomes infinitely scalable. So yeah. we've, we've worked with companies that went from like, you know, $70 million to $100 million. There are also companies which went from like $1 million to $3 million dollars. Uh, and they haven't had to hire more people. Mm -hmm. And the existing people and agents that they have, they're more happier at their work because they're not coming to work and doing the same thing over and over and over again. They're having like meaningful, genuine conversations. So yeah. the benefit is that you have happier customers uh, that trust your brand. When, when a customer is able to resolve their issues immediately in real time, you know, 24 by 7, you earn their trust. Uh, that's a wow moment. And they keep coming back to buy more from your brand. So you get customer loyalty, uh, customer delight. The, your people are happy because, you know, they, they're doing meaningful work. Your agents are happy. And the benefit to the founders are like, hey, uh, you're getting more repeat orders and you're getting uh, uh, the, the technology leverage to scale uh, your operations without having to hire every, every six months. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, I know that it's... Uh, Really hard finding good support agents, to be honest. Yeah? So, so uh, that that's really a point. Um, it, it is a hard job. You need to learn very much, and you often have to deal with unsatisfied people. And uh, this this makes it really, um, yeah, really hard to stay in a support team. Um, and and so, um, if you can automate it, um, absolutely the best uh, the best idea. Um, uh, because an, an, an bot will stay <laughs> forever. Yeah. As long as you pay the subscription and um, you have the monthly subscription model, uh, can you tell us a bit more about your pricing strategy, how you, how you found the pricing, why you um, opted for a, for a monthly or yearly subscription? Um, mm -hmm. How did you work on that pricing strategy? Sure. So, so we believe in like doing value-based pricing, uh, yeah. you know, so in fact, the pricing that we have is we're not incentivized to increase your agents. Uh, we're not incentivized to increase your tickets. In fact, it's quite the opposite, right? We are, yeah. we are incentivized and we make more money if you're able to bring down your ticket to order ratio. So, uh, you know, a lot of companies need to measure if they aren't already is what their ticket to order ratio is. So for every 100 orders you get, how many tickets do you get for those 100 orders, right? Uh, so you'll be surprised, but many e-commerce businesses that we work with are at like 50, 70%. Some are like 100%. They have like a one is to one order to ticket ratio. So that essentially means that, you know, 50% of the customers that are buying from you 
are having some kind of an issue or a question, right? How you address that question or how you handle that customer query is going to determine whether they uh, buy again or not uh, from you. But coming back on the pricing, so the pricing is aligned with your goals. We charge you on the number of self-service resolutions that we did. Uh, that's a great it pricing, actually. Yeah. That normally, when you see a help desk, you always have the per user, per agent pricing. Yeah? We have and unlimited really users. interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting approach. Yeah? It differentiates you a lot from the market. You have currently 1,500 plus customers, as far as uh, I could research. Um, hey. What is your current strategy to expand your uh, clientele? So, at Norbert, the first uh, two years of the company, we were just focused on building the product, finding a product market fit. Uh, the last two quarters, you know, my my uh, entire focus has been on hiring. Like, how do we get the you know next set of leaders that can take the company uh, to the next stage, right? And and uh, I, I think you know uh, that the strategy is to hire like really smart people and double down on things that are working. Uh, and, and uh, you know, invest in marketing, invest in sales. We've been quite quiet in that area uh, yeah. because, because we just wanted to make sure that, you know, we have the right product before we, you know, go loud. Uh, so, so that's 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 what is upcoming. So now that the team is built uh, and, and we have the budgets, we have the money uh, that we uh, want to use. So, so things seem positive now. Uh, so you, you're going to build loud now. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, cool. yeah. Um, on, on your LinkedIn, um, uh, you've said that uh, Rich Panel got selected from uh, YA Combinator, uh, American Seed Startup Accelerator, uh, but you said no, and that it's a story for another time. Is it now another time? Can you tell the story? It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's a, uh, uh, see, firstly, I have huge respect for Y Combinator when we first yeah. started out. And I went through Paul Graham's essays or, uh, you know, Michael's uh, videos. Michael is the CEO. Paul Graham is the founder at Y Combinator. I would go through their essays, me and my co-founder both. And sometimes they would have these essays about like, you know, 15 mistakes that founders make when starting out or, you know, six mistakes to avoid at this stage. And we would be guilty of each and every mistake in the list because, <laughs> uh, you know, it felt like somebody is like, you know, calling us out. So... Uh, and, you know, we kept on like, you know, consuming that content, consuming that knowledge and improving ourselves. So firstly, uh, I I owe a lot of our initial success to Y Combinator because they pointed us in that right direction. It's something that I would recommend every startup uh, to go through. That application process in itself is, uh, uh, you know, really educational and uh, will make you very self-aware. So that's one. The reason... Uh, uh, you know, we, we decided to not go ahead with Y Combinator despite the huge respect we have for them is when we got selected, a week before we got selected, we got the term sheet from Sequoia. Usually uh, people go to okay. Y Combinator to get money from, you know, a VC fund, right? Or, or raise the seed round or the series A round. We got that ahead of Y Combinator. So it didn't make sense. The second thing is uh, it was all remote. The entire thing was remote at our time because, you know, a pandemic hit. Uh, and I think this was the first batch that Michael and uh, the YC team decided that will be remote. So we were like, oh, we're not even going to get to meet these awesome people. And uh, we're going to be diluting so much, you know. We're going to be pissing off our existing investors because they're like, hey, you know, we've given you such, such higher valuation. And then you want to like uh, come down for the Y Combinator valuation. So, you know, it, it, it was a difficult decision, but we took that trade off. 
Yeah, got it, got it. Um, let's talk a bit about the common mistakes uh, that you see um, that DTC brands make in their custom experience. Do you see something frequently? Mm, I think a lot of DTC brands are focused on marketing and releasing new products, marketing campaigns. That's what excites them because that's their name uh, on the front. And uh, uh, while you know, I, I personally like it too as a founder, but I feel like you know your competitive, your greatest competitive advantage is is not just your product, but the entire experience, right? You're not just selling merchandise. You're not a retail store. You are actually selling the whole experience. Like, hey, what is the buying experience? What does the website look like? What does the merchandise look like? Uh, what's the checkout experience? What's the post-purchase experience? Right. The entire experience is your brand. Uh, so I, I feel like a lot of attention is paid on the front of uh, the entire experience, which is the marketing campaigns, launching new products, and uh, the latter part is ignored because it's just so complex, right, uh, to solve. But that's where a lot of competitive advantages can be created. If you can create a frictionless experience uh, in the entire customer experience journey, if you can you know, put some focus there, then you will be uh, are very well rewarded with customers' uh, loyalty. Yeah, and I, I just need to um, extend that a bit. Um, the best customer, the cheapest customer is the recurring customer. So if, if, you, if you acquire a customer, you put so much energy, so much money in that one customer. And when you then lose this customer again because of a bad experience, it's sure. much more expensive than to invest in great applications and, and a great customer journey also in the back end because you have that customer already that trusted you one time. Um, and, and it's so important to keep them satisfied and everything in the back end or the after purchase uh, experience is as important as the uh, first purchase experience um, to, to get the customer back. Yeah. I, um, you can even argue more important because yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the uh, place where customers are not expecting uh, things from you. And if things just work, you've already thought through those scenarios and built for those scenarios, right? Built for those edge cases, uh, you know, they're going to like you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in your company yourself, do, do you use uh, or do you have specific persons that focus only on operations? Do you use automations yourself? Um, what's your strategy on that? Oh, we, we use like a lot of, uh, uh, you know, automations uh, all throughout. Uh, we, we're big fans of SaaS, so we, we purchase SaaS left, right and center. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, operations, yeah. we are a SaaS company, so we don't yeah. like have an operations department. Uh, mainly the teams are divided into like, you know, three broad buckets. Anytime a new person joins, I say it's like three main buckets. The first bucket is like the demand bucket where you have the marketing team, the sales team, the partnership teams. That's on the you know top. Then in the center, uh, you have the product and the tech team, right? So that's where you have the engineers, the tech team, that's a product team that's going on calls with the customers, understanding you know what's important, what needs yeah. to be fixed. So that's the product. And then the uh, bottom layer is the customer success and the support team. So once mm -hmm. you have the customers in the system, how do you ensure that they are successful? How do you align your goals with the merchants' goals and you know uh, make sure that they are successful using the application? So this is the three main departments we have. Okay, great. Last question for the day. Who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? Oh, wow. That's, that's a tough one. <laughs> would, be, would be very difficult. Everyone to, says that. 
yeah would would be very difficult to uh, uh you know pick pick one portion or one company but i would feel like you know i'm i'm a big fan of uh, uh jeff bezos and yeah. uh, uh you know his principles uh, his obsession about the customer uh and what what i like about jeff is he doesn't have like the risk minimization or effort minimization framework right a lot of people will make decisions based on the effort it takes uh versus if you look at amazon they will decide what's right for the end customer right uh and then they will figure out a way to make it happen uh i think that level of customer obsession was crucial in in getting us to where they are so it is a very it, very interesting answer um and um you are the first one who mentions chef bezos Yeah, in in this in this, I always ask this question. It's always the last question of the podcast, and you're the first one. And I, to be honest, I expected when we started with the with the uh, podcast that at a very soon level we will hear um, uh, Jeff Bezos and uh, uh, those those big e-commerce names. But um, you're the first one, and it's really interesting what you mentioned um, the customer centric approach that um, uh, that Amazon did, and it's really. Um, amazing when you when you purchase something and you you, you ha are not satisfied and you need to check out something the support chat or uh, the, the service agents are always there to help if you cannot do it yourself and most things can be done yourself without even needing a, 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 um, a someone in the chat so it's really um, a, a very good and successful story everyone knows that in e-commerce so Thanks for that answer. Really great. Um, and also thanks for the interview. It was really a pleasure talking to you, um, learning a lot about, um, about uh, um, yeah, helping store owners to make them successful after the purchase as well um, and let people find themselves uh, in, in, with, with chatbots and automations and uh, the right customer service. Good luck with the company. Good luck with Rich Pavel. Talk soon, Amit. Thank you, Norbert. Bye-bye. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time. 